0: Welcome to the Local Government Bulletin Podcast Series of the Dalla Omar Institute at the University of the Western Cape. Here, you can listen to short articles on local government law and policy. We aim to assist practitioners and deepen debate on local governance and service delivery. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, we as the... Uh, Mr. Payne, support... Municipal Structures Amendment Bill, um, and uh, we with... Amending Municipal Governance Laws, New Rules, New Directions, A Focus on the Municipal Structures Amendment Bill, by Tabi Le Con. After the 2019 national and provincial government elections, Parliament revived deliberations on the Municipal Structures Amendment Bill. The bill seeks to strengthen oversight and governance in local government. Many of the proposed amendments touch on issues that have been prevalent in local government for the longest of time. This report provides a summary of the proceedings of a webinar on the Municipal Structures Amendment Bill, as well as the Municipal Systems Amendment Bill that is covered in a different report. The webinar, titled Amending Municipal Governance Laws, New Rules, New Directions, was held by the Dalla Omar Institute DOI in partnership with the Hans Seidel Foundation and the South African Local Government Association. Members of Parliament, MP, local government practitioners, researchers, and civil society actors attended the webinar, which took place on 30 October 2020. The Chair, Panel, and Key Questions for Discussion The webinar was chaired by Professor Nico Stadler, who is the Saatchi Chair in Multi Level Government, Law, and Policy at the DOI. The panel consisted of Ms. Faith Mutambi, MP, the chairperson of the National Assembly's Portfolio Committee on Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Councilor Temsi Lenkadimeng, who is the president of Salga and also serves as the executive mayor of City of Bulugwane, Dr. Louis Kepels, who is the acting municipal manager of Naisna Municipality, and Professor Yap Defusa, who is the director of the DOI. The panel of discussion engaged with the following questions one. What challenges will the Municipal Structures Amendment Bill bring? two, what are the bill's most important features and which parts inquire further debate? And three, is the Municipal Structures Amendment Bill likely to improve governance in municipalities? Overview Professor Deffisser gave a short introduction to the bill. He highlighted that the bill regularizes existing practices such as municipal public accounts committees MPACs, and, and includes refinements and amendments to the electoral system. Many of the bill's themes touch on the division of roles between the executive and legislative arms of the municipality. This is a challenge in local government because the constitution does not prescribe a separation of powers as is the case at provincial and national levels. Professor De mentioned some of the key changes in the bill and raised some questions for consideration. On MPACs, given the fact that municipal finances are not in good shape in many municipalities despite the existence of MPACs, this leads one to ask, have they made a difference? What will it take for MPACs to make a difference? And importantly, will municipalities support MPACs? Concerning the move of the Code of Conduct for Councillors back to the Structures Act, Professor DeFisser asked how do we stop the weaponization of the Code of Conduct? Furthermore, how do we lessen the inconsistent use of the Code of Conduct? Regarding the tightening of rules on the declaration of vacancies, which essentially falls on the municipal manager, Professor DeFisser asserted that it is very difficult to assess whether there is a vacancy as it often depends on internal party disputes and interpretations of party rules on whether or not a councillor is still a councillor. In light of this assertion, he argued that the bill misses an opportunity to deal with the question. Why do we force municipal managers to adjudicate intra-party disputes? He questioned why the Independent Electoral Commission could not be tasked with the declaration of vacancies. Formalization of MPACs Councilor Ngadimeng noted that the issues addressed in the bill have been on the table for some time and that the delays in solving them have deepened the crisis in local government. She reflected on what was established in the study on local government in 2009, which correlates with what is still on the table today. For example, undue interference from the councillors and excessive views of political interference in municipal governance. Council Angadimen commented on the role of MPEGs and in particular, the oversight reports that they must produce. She argued, the problem is the sanitization of these reports and how they are structured and how the system is structured now. If you want true oversight, it means you have to be able to have a system which allows some form of neutrality, even if it is attached to the same council. To strengthen her argument, Council Gadiming drew comparisons between national and municipal legislative arms as follows. In the National Assembly, usually the Standing Committee on Public Accounts, SCOPA, which is similar to an MPAC in terms of duties and functions, is mostly headed by a member of the opposition party. But in councils, we usually do not have that distinction. You are forwarded by your party. In most instances, the mayor will be politically senior in that council in that region and it is difficult to get the support you are supposed to have for oversight this example shows just how political interference hampers effective municipal governance Ms Mutambi indicated that the portfolio committee on cooperative governance and traditional affairs COCTA has always emphasized the functionality of MPACs If MPACs perform their oversight role effectively, it will lessen the oversight burden of the Portfolio Committee on COCTA, the Select Committee on COCTA, COCTA Committees, and their counterparts in provincial legislatures. Referring again to her experiences in the Portfolio Committee, she opined, As the Parliamentary COCTA Committees travel across the country, they often find that MPACs are in existence, but are not performing the work they are supposed to do. In many cases, this arises from insufficient appreciation of the significance of the MPAC as an oversight structure in a municipality. Another worrying trend was the attitude towards the MPAC, which Ms. Mutami suggested manifests in various ways, such as the non-implementation of recommendations by councils, poor resourcing in terms of personnel, or in some instances, a complete failure to establish an MPAC due to political dysfunction. In light of the aforementioned, she noted, by insisting on an MPAC as a statutory requirement and codifying its functions, then the bill will go a long way towards strengthening governance. Professor De warned that at local government level, the reality is that these issues are approached with the thought who gets the full-time position, and unfortunately this plays a major role in the background. He indicated that, in light of that, having an MPAC chaired by the opposition would be a welcome change, but the reality at local government is that a lot is centred around the full-time versus part-time position of councillors. We need to move towards seeing MPACs as the necessary element of good governance and that it is much better to pick up anomalies and issues internally through an MPAC as opposed to letting it fester and allowing it to be picked up by the courts, public protector, or journalist. Abolition of plenary-type municipalities Ms Mutambi revealed that in a recent oversight visit to Mpofani municipality in Kwazulu-Natal, the portfolio committee encountered anomalies with the function of the mayor and speaker was vested in one person. The municipality is then unable to delegate its executive responsibility because it does not have the minimum number of councillors required to enable it to establish an executive committee. In light of such experiences, Ms Mutambi is hopeful that the abolishment of the plenary executive system, coupled with the requirement of a minimum number of councillors in a municipality will assist to address these anomalies. Cooling off period in the code of conduct for councillors. With regards to the introduction of a cooling off period for a councillor who was dismissed under the code of conduct for councillors, Ms Mutambi reflected on what she encountered in Maluti Apufung municipality in the Free State. As the portfolio committee, we have encountered many cases of municipal dysfunction that warrant intervention in terms of Section 139 of the Constitution. What we have encountered and experienced as a major problem with this type of intervention is that after 90 days following elections, the same councillors responsible for the dissolution of the council return to office and continue to destabilize council as before. She was therefore optimistic about the two-year cooling-off period, expressing, it should assist tremendously, provided that MECs act decisively and speedy in terms of investigating and removing councillors in breach of the Code of Conduct. The Bill's Impact on Municipal Governance Dr. Skeppers noted that the Bill presents some long-term sustainable solutions, but also contained knee-jerk reactions to problems. He argued that one of the challenges of local government is that we have a very complex legislative environment and going forward we need to work on how we simplify the legislation that local government has to deal with and that regulates what local government does he expressed delight that the bill was addressing the unclear separation between the legislative and executive authority in municipalities in discussing local government capacity Dr. Skerberis defined capacity in two ways. First, it is the ability to do something. And secondly, it is the will to do something. You can have all the ability to do something, but if you don't have the will to do it, then you don't have capacity. Dr. Skerberis expressed concern that whenever municipal capacity is spoken about, It does not include national and provincial governments' capacity to fulfill their monitoring and oversight functions. It is important to also discuss the provincial and national governments' capacity to perform their functions in respect of local government. Reflections. Reflecting on the question, what difference will the amendments make? Ms. Mutambi stated, the Portfolio Committee believes that, as with any law, its success lies with how it is interpreted or translated to execution. Many of the failures at municipalities are not as a result of inadequate, progressive and developmental laws being in place, but they are as a result of poor capacity or lack of political will to implement. Whilst the amendments to the Municipal Structures Act are welcome, they are unlikely to solve all the problems being experienced in local government. Much depends on underlying social conditions and the political and administrative will in municipalities, as well as the provincial and national spheres of government. Implementation is key. If properly implemented, the proposed legislative changes to the Municipal Structures Amendment Bill will make a difference. Thanks for listening. If you found it useful, please share this podcast via your social media. The Local Government Bulletin is supported by the Hans Seidel Foundation and the Bavarian State Chancellery. We are proud to contribute to the debate on local governance and service delivery.